0: Welcome to Twice Born Podcasts. My name is Mike Bailey. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to get your feedback. And if you have any questions, please go to twiceborn.net. You can also find us on social media. I hope that you find this podcast helpful and informative. God bless. And so today we're going to talk about celebrating. Now, I was raised, I grew up in central Pennsylvania for part of my life. Uh, Some of you hate when I talk about sports. You think sports are the biggest waste of time, and I totally understand that. But this is the journey that God gave me, and I think he wants me to share this, because some of you love sports, you love college sports, and it means a lot to you. And so when I was growing up, my dad was the campus pastor at Penn State. And so I would go to to the games, and and I would be in that culture, and I can tell you, see, look at this picture. If Penn, Penn State did lose yesterday, literally their whole life, everyone there is devastated. It's like somebody died. They're mourning the loss of actually almost a human being. That's how important this is to them. You know, I saw something online that said, you know, there's this guy who says that women are too emotional as he's crying about the loss of the football game. I think that is, you know, that hits where it hurts. Uh, But you think about it, there's such passion. Why is there such passion? So I took my son to a game, over 100,000 people cheering these guys that are just throwing a little ball around trying to get it in a big box called an end zone. But people spend lots of money, think about this the entire year, their whole life, Um, there's places in this country that there's a fervency for this more than our fervency for the Lord. And I wonder, I just wonder to myself, why can the world celebrate such useless, senseless things? And it's so hard for me to truly celebrate that I am saved. I've heard non-Christians say, I would believe it if you acted like you believed it. Because what I am trying to share with people and what I believe is true and what I have committed my life to is that I was headed for hell. Eternal separation from God, the worst place you could possibly imagine, that's where I was gonna exist for eternity. And through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, I am now set free by his blood, his perfection has covered me so that now I have eternity in the most amazing place that I can possibly imagine. I shifted from death to life. That is that's bigger than anything, that's bigger than you winning the lotto. That's bigger than anything that any of us could bring up this morning to say, this is so great, this is so wonderful. It all pales in comparison to Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, the hope of salvation, the truth that I am set free for eternity, and that even today I can live in that freedom, that I can live in the freedom of Christ. And so one of the areas I am convicted about, and one of the areas I just want to ask the Lord to speak to us about this morning, is how can we be intentional in celebrating the good news? How can it go from my my brain to my heart to my will? So that I truly celebrate uh, when a Bonnie gets baptized. I truly celebrate when a marriage is healed because of Christ. I truly celebrate when an addiction is overcome through Christ. That I truly celebrate when a young person gets on the right path again because of Christ. When I truly celebrate people's lives transformed because of the Holy Spirit of God working in their life. When can I get to that place? When can we get to the place where we celebrate that comparatively to how the world celebrates its stuff? I think I have a long way to go. I think we have a long way to go. And this is the challenge this morning as we look to God. What should we celebrate? How should we celebrate? What does it mean to celebrate as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a child of God? What is he calling us to in this area? So before we go to his word, let's precede it with prayer and ask him to speak to us so that we can hear clearly. (sighs) Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that you have been patient with me, you've been patient with us, that you are a loving God, you're a loving Father, You want the absolute best for us. You desire for us to be in your company. You desire us to be in your presence. You desire us to walk lives uh, that are pure and holy so that we can be in that relationship with you. And Lord, as we come to this place this morning, we just, we want to hear from you. We want to know you better. Uh, We want to not just talk about big things, but we want to have the, the God of the big things moving within our hearts, within our minds, motivating us, maturing us, challenging us to grow. Lord, we don't want to stand still. We don't want to be outdone by the world and their celebrations. We want to celebrate you in spirit and truth. We want to be your children. We want to say, Hosanna is the king. Help us, Lord, we need your help. Help us as we read your words that it would jump off to us, into our our minds and our spirits so that we would grow and mature. Lord, help us to know you more. Help us to love you more. And Lord, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, Lord, that they would sense in this moment your Holy Spirit would clarify to them what it is to be your child, that they would repent and believe, that they would follow you with everything that they are. Lord, we thank you for the truth that you've set before us. We thank you that you've allowed words to be written so that we can read them and study them and grow on them. Help us now to saturate our hearts and our minds with them. In Jesus' name, amen. So what does God have to say about this concept of people coming to him? Does he care? Is he invested in this? Well, it's clarified to us in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. If you have a Bible, you can open up. That's in the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible and you have a phone, download a Bible app, and you can get there really quickly, easily. Or you can follow along on the screens and sermon notes so there's every we tried to make every way possible for you to follow along what we're reading this morning because this is not my word this is not my opinion this is the word of God this is the word that we need to instill in our hearts so that we know him more and and can trust him in everything second Peter verses three uh, chapter three verse nine says this the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Who does God want to come to repentance? Who does God want to come to repentance? Everyone. That means everyone you're going to see at Walmart, everyone you're going to see at the gas station, everyone that's in your family, everyone that's outside of your family, everyone that looks and talks and acts like you, and everyone that looks and talks and acts opposite of you, every single person that you'll ever meet, that you'll ever know, he desires for them not to perish, but to come to truth and to life, that they would repent so that they would know him as, the, as their savior. And so God doesn't want anyone to perish. And the way that he reaches them, how does God reach people? How did he reach you? How did he reach me? How does he reach us? By people like us sharing this good news. The way I found out, I was was a 16-year-old that was self-centered, selfish, all about me. I could care less about God. I never prayed. God's word meant nothing to me. Until the Holy Spirit, through a speaker, began to share to my heart, Mike, Will you give your life to me, or will you hold on to it? Will you try to gain everything in this world, but lose your soul, or will you trust me as your Lord and Savior? It was the sharing of the man, I don't even know his name today. It wasn't the man, it was the Holy Spirit of God speaking through the man. See, the Holy Spirit talks to us like no other human can talk to us, to the depths of our heart, the depths of our souls. And he convicts us of sin and he gives us that opportunity to repent and believe. Because he desires for all of us to come to him. And he uses us as his ambassadors. He uses his believers as his speakers so the world can know. But you know the challenge is we're still broken vessels. Who here is a sinner today? I'm a sinner. I, I still struggle with sin. If you say you're without sin, the Bible says you're a liar. Because sin is in our nature. You know, you've never lived a day without sin all around you. You've never lived a moment without sin trying to attack you. None of us have ever experienced an existence without sin. That's what I'm looking forward to heaven the most, is being with the Lord and no more sin. But the truth of the matter is we struggle with it, and I think one of the areas we struggle with it is we can become eternally judgmental. We size everybody up. We always put values. Well, this person's more valuable than that person because of how they look or how whatever perception you've determined is valuable and not valuable whether it's in your family, whether it's in your neighborhood, whether wherever it is, we size people up. And if someone maybe can help me a little bit more, or or someone looks a little bit more distinguished, or or someone seems to be on a higher pedestal, then perhaps I'll treat them better because perhaps I'll get something from them. And then we see the person that's maybe homeless, the person that's struggling with addiction, the person that's at the the bottom of their life. They're at the valley of valleys. And we say, what a waste, what a horrible thing. What I'll avoid them. But as believers, Jesus calls us to love everyone and to see Christ's image in every person that I look at and to recognize that every human breathing oxygen has the potential to repent and believe and become part of the family of God. Therefore, every human I look at, I have to value at the level I value God and say, they're worth my time, they're worth my energy, they're worth investing in them. But here's where I can relate, and maybe you can relate, the book of Jonah. I don't know if you've ever read the book of Jonah. Maybe when you were a child in Sunday school, you were taught the story of Jonah. But the end of Jonah is the most human part of the Bible to me. It's the most relatable part because Jonah is upset that God forced him to do something good. Jonah is miserable that God said, or that God used him to make a major difference in a group of people that Jonah hated. And here's what we read. This is the last chapter. I would encourage you to go home and read the whole book of Jonah. It's very interesting. It's in the Old Testament. But here's what it says, verses 1 through 11. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord. This is his prayer. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life. For it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah has just gone and shared a very brief message with the Ninevites. And they start repenting. And, and these are people that you have to understand, as we understand from studying this culture in this time, these people worship death. Uh, they, they were in battle with most of uh, Jonah's family. Uh, maybe he had loved ones that were killed by Ninevites. He knew the culture was dark and evil. And he probably had a lot of preconceptions. He probably had some good reasons not to like them. But he hated them so bad. He hated this type of person so badly That he prayed to God. Think about this. He prayed to God, I knew you were going to forgive him. I knew you were going to love him. I knew you were going to accept him. And I wish you would have just not let me live. (laughs) That you had me be a part of their life transformation. I can't stand these people. They don't deserve this. Don't you know what they did? Don't you know who they are? Don't you see God? How could you love something so wicked? How could you love something so evil? How could you lower yourself to receiving these people? And God's like, hey, Jonah, where were you, my friend? How good are you? Why is it that you love this tree I created for you more than you love people made in my image? Why is it that you're so concerned about your own uh, identity and and your own comfort and people don't matter to you? It's interesting if you read the whole thing, he says, God says, these people didn't know the difference between their left hand and their right hand, and I love them, and I wanted to reveal myself to them. You see, the big problem, I see it from myself as a pastor, is most people, if I was to walk around, and I said, hey, tell me some, some adjectives, tell me some descriptives of, of Christians in church, they'd probably say judgmental, hypocrites, all about money, self-centered. I mean, they would li- that would be the list, right? Not loving, compassionate, desiring for me to be part of them, wanting to encourage and support and make it a better place and, and have everyone be right with God. Which one do we want? To be known for. Which which statement and message are we trying to proclaim to the world? That it is by faith in Christ and Christ alone that you are set free from the burdens of sin and and the, the destiny of sin. Or I'm better than you. I'm going to heaven. You're not. Good luck with life. You see, this is a challenge for me, and I think it's a challenge for the church as a whole that, that we've we've got to recenter ourselves and say, God, what is the mission? Is the mission me being successful at work? Is it being successful in every area of life? Is it achieving the American dream, or is it living out the God given calling of sharing the gospel, of living the go- you know what living the gospel is, loving your wife, loving your husband, loving your children. Loving your neighbor as you love yourself, giving of yourself sacrificially, not cutting corners, not finding loopholes, not using people for your own benefit. Like the calling of Christ is a life of sacrifice for the betterment of every other person in the world, knowing that the best thing for everyone is for them to know Christ, to be set free from their sin. That is what we need to commit ourselves to. But it's easy. It's easy for us to avoid this because our human nature, our sin, it keeps us from loving people we don't like. And so God gives us a pretty clear answer. If you turn over to Luke chapter 15, the New Testament, God gives us a really good picture. Jesus, he would tell stories because it would, uh, the story would be so memorable, it would be helpful to, to really inspire An understanding that was deeper than just making a statement. And so he would tell these parables. And this is about the kingdom of heaven. What coming to Christ and sharing the gospel is like. What someone coming to Christ is like in heaven. Luke 15, 8-10. Suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? See, initially, this woman lost something of value, and she is taking the time to look for it. Let me ask you a question. If today you got home and one of your credit cards uh, was missing, would you just be like, oh, well, no big deal. It was just a credit card. It's, It's just a piece of plastic. What does it really matter? No, you would do one of two things. You would look for it until you found it, or you would cancel it. You would not do nothing. And if you would do nothing, then we got bigger problems anyway. (laughs) But the truth is, we understand value. You understand value. I understand value. This woman understands value. She lost something that had value, and she looked for it. She took energy and effort to find the thing of value. And so she was moved by something that was lost. Verse 9, and when she finds it, She calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Now that seems weird to us, okay, a coin, you got that excited about a coin, but I'm pretty sure if like all week you couldn't find that credit card, and then Friday you find the credit card, you're calling somebody and saying, "Uh, I found the credit card, (laughs) and you know, no one bought a car with it, it's all good. You would celebrate the fact that your lost card had been returned to you. You would celebrate the fact that what was lost is now found. You would celebrate something that has value or potential for great value that could be stolen from you was received back. And Jesus says this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. When someone is lost... Someone is seeking after the death of this world. Someone that doesn't know the Lord. They're just, they don't know yet. They haven't come to Christ. When they come to Christ, it is of the utmost value, and we should all celebrate. We should call each other and we should have a party. And we should party better than the world parties. Because what are they really partying? If you don't have any answer for death, what are we partying? We do have an answer for death. So it's time for true celebration, but it gets even better than that. Look what it says in verse 10. In the same way I tell you, this is Jesus saying, he's been there, he knows this, he's saying this from experience, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You know, I think about angels a lot and maybe you don't think of angels, so it's maybe strange that I think of angels. But I think about angels and their perception of us. And they must laugh at us a lot. I'm assuming. I mean, you care about football? Really? Why? What's the deal? Right? I w- they'd be like, I dominated football. <laughs> angels as we're told in scripture, are amazing beings. I don't truly understand them. I know that they can kill like 120,000 soldiers in a night, so they're not to be messed with. They're very powerful. They're dangerous. They're strong. They're amazing beings. And I'm sure they're, they're like, God, what do you see in these people? Seriously, what is so special about these humans that you are so invested in them? But here we're we're given a glimpse about angels. So we're not told a lot about angels, but we're given a pretty amazing glimpse about angels. Beings that we really don't understand. We're told they celebrate with God when just one person on the entire planet gets their life right with God. Just one person on the entire planet says, no to self and yes to Christ. No, I'm not going to try to achieve it my own. I'm not going to make my own way. I'm not going to solve all my problems. I'm going to repent of that view. I'm going to repent of my sin. And I'm going to believe that you're my only way. You're my only truth. You're the only place of life. And I'm going to live for you the rest of my life. At that moment, heaven starts to party. Heaven starts to celebrate. Angels start to cheer. If the angels are cheering... Shouldn't we? If the angels think it's that important, shouldn't we think it's about important? If the one thing God God cares about because he says to us, he doesn't say it about anything else. He doesn't say, I desire that your 401k flourishes. No, he says, I desire that none of you would perish. If you perish, it's because you walked away from a gift that I freely give you. I say this, I want people to climb over me to get to hell. I want them to climb over me, because I'm gonna say, it's so much, why would you wanna go where God is not? Do you really think, think about all that you've experienced in life, think about all the things you've gone through in life, has the world ever really delivered? Has it ever really satisfied? Has it ever really filled you with so much satisfaction that you don't need any more? Or has it always been like the mouse and the cheese? Just keep going a little bit further, just keep going a little bit further until you're dead. The comparisons are uh, immense to me. The difference between death and life. The difference between being lost and being found. The difference between Christ's gift of salvation and me trying to do something special in this life on my own are so drastically separate and different. It's overwhelming. And so I want to celebrate the difference. Celebrate the life. Celebrate the truth. If they're having celebrations in heaven, let's have celebrations on earth. Let's think of new ways. Amen. So this morning, I pray that we recognize this. My prayer is that you don't see me, hear me, but the Holy Spirit of God is instilling on every one of us in this room a truth that we can't escape. And in that truth, we're prepared to take action. We're prepared to take action in our lives. I'm I'm overwhelmed that the world uh, can be monotonous. It's day-to-day, survive, pay the bills, do this, this, and this, and life seems mundane and, and small. But when you come to this place of celebration, you come to this place of truth, life gets way big. You realize in this moment, we're dealing with eternal matters. We're talking about forever right now. We're not talking about who's gonna win the game today. We're not talking about what you're gonna eat at lunch. We're talking about forever and ever and ever. And we're saying you've been set free from a horrible forever and you've been given an amazing forever. How are you going to react? What does that really mean to you? Is these are these just words we say? Or is it true? Is it absolute truth? When I die, will I be in the presence of the Lord? If yes, How's, how, in, how in the world can I celebrate that well enough? <laughs> how in the world? I could spend the rest of my life cheering and, and going nuts about that and still not come close to the amount of celebration I should have about that truth. I think most people in the world don't think we believe what we say we believe because we don't act always like we believe what we say we believe. We act like, man, I hope the stock market doesn't crash and I hope our, our country stays together because all of my hopes and dreams and beliefs are built on that. And how horrible would it be if, the, if something terrible would happen? No, it doesn't really matter what happens because the king is returning. The game's already over. He already won. I'm looking, I'm preparing for his return. I got nothing to fear, nothing to be discouraged about, everything to rejoice over, everything to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I have another day to worship you. Thank you, Lord, that I have another day to breathe in your oxygen and say thank you for the eternity that I can't imagine today, but I am look forward to being there. My prayer is we get there. Because that's what this world needs. The world needs to see some Christians that are in love with Jesus and they're excited about his return. The world needs to see Christians that say, you can come with us. You can come with us. Yeah, it's broken. The world, yeah, we get it. It's way broken. But the one who can fix it all is inviting us to his house. Do you want to go with me? So application, how do we apply this? First, we have to ask God for a loving heart. I think time All the issues of life, all the stuff of life can make our hearts hard. Our emotions get callous. It's hard for us to get excited about anything. Because so many challenges happen in life and it builds up and it builds up. And we need to ask the Lord who created all things to break through that rock and give us a tender heart. That I would cry with those who are crying, and I would celebrate with those who are celebrating. I would be excited for the victories that of people in my life, and I would be hurt for the people that are going through challenges in my life. That my heart would be soft and not hard. That I'd have the ability to be excited again about life, excited about the future, excited about what's yet to come, instead of discouraged and in fear. And that comes only by the Holy Spirit of God breaking up all of that stuff that we've built up that needs to be broken free from our hearts. If you know the Lord, don't be afraid to share him. People aren't afraid to share with me about football. Have you ever met someone who said, "Uh, I'm afraid to say it, tell them I'm a Steelers fan because they might not like me. No, Steelers fans, they don't care if you like them. they would actually rather you not like them. And they tell you how much, how great everybody is on their team. Man, we have a lot to learn from them, don't we? We have a lot to learn from the world when it comes to celebrating. Man, if Christians were known, if we were just known for that one thing, that we celebrate Jesus better than anyone celebrates anything, how, what would that look like? How amazing would that be? If we could truly pull that off, and accomplish a celebration that the world said, man, they really are excited about this Jesus returning. That seems to mean something to them. I think about my kids, I think about my family, and it's not just a one-time celebration, it's every single day saying thank you God for this, thank you that I'm alive, thank you there's gravity, thank you I have food, thank you I have a vehicle, thank you I have friends, thank you I have a church, thank you right now I get to serve you by speaking at this moment. Thank you for everything in my life. I I wanna celebrate all the wonderful things you're doing for me and with me and in me, and I also wanna celebrate the hard things because I know they're making me stronger and better and more like you. When we begin to recognize that every day, every minute of your life is an opportunity to celebrate God. When you get there, then you look like Jesus. Then you sound like Jesus. Then people start seeing Jesus in you. And that's the goal. That's the goal. And I'll be the first to say I fail at this goal quite a bit. But I don't want to fail at it. I don't think any of us want to fail at it and so let's make these times matter listen if you weren't here right now what would you be doing would you be thinking about eternal things would you be thinking about what God put you on earth to do would you be thinking about celebrating him in a new way we need to come together every single week pretty much all the time and say let's keep going let's keep moving don't give up Don't fall down and stay down. Okay, you you made a mistake. Let's move forward. He is with us. He's guiding us. He's the perfect one. He's the one that we look at. He's the one that heals. He's the one that delivers. He's the one that, that grows us. Let's follow him. Put our faith and trust in him. Love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. So what is he saying? What is God saying to you right now?